Welcome to Conversations Live. For more than a decade, we've brought you the best in books, entertainment, celebrity interviews, and current events. When the movers and shakers of the world have something to say to you, they say it to us first. Here's your host, Cyrus Webb. Welcome back, everyone, to Conversations Live. I'm your host, Cyrus Webb. Glad you all could join us once again. But for a radio audience here in Mississippi at WYAD 94.1 FM and WYADonline.com, we're glad that you all could be with us. Also, tuning in to our friends at iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and Blog Talk Radio. We're glad you all could be with us as well. I'm so excited to welcome journalist and author Cody Taylor to our program today. You're used to her being able to cover stories and to talk about them. But this year, she's talking about her own journey in the book, The Love You Save. It's already an Amazon on bestseller. I want to talk to Goldie not only about the experience of sharing her own life journey, but also the power of words for her and the lessons she's been able to share with others as well. If you all are not following Goldie on her journey online, we'll let you guys know where to find her there too. But Goldie, thank you again for the time. Really appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Cyrus, for having me this morning. Well, this is uh, really exciting to speak with you. As I mentioned in my introduction, Cody, we're used to hearing you offer commentary even recently when it comes to, you know, some of the, the horrible things we've seen in the world, you know, being able to share your own thoughts there. But what has it been like for you now to have the spotlight on you and to be able to share your own story with the world? You know, what I believe about this, Cyrus, is that it is truly an extension of the work that I've always been doing. If anyone's heard me talk about social issues, gun violence, if they've heard me talk about poverty or being a single mother in this country or what it means in terms of social justice, all those things, if they've heard me talk about domestic violence or surviving sexual violence, they've always heard me talk about that from an informed experience. And so I've always talked about our lives collectively as a family, but mine individually. But this, this is one story that I had not yet told. And it feels, well, it feels very different. It is almost as if living it again, but seeing it with new eyes. You know, I, I'm glad you said that, Cody, because I did have a chance, and I want to thank our, our friend Leslie for uh, allowing me to be able to get an advanced copy of the book. And when I was reading the book, I, I thought to myself, and it's interesting if you talk about the, the experience, informed experience, because I think a lot of times we see individuals like yourself, Cody, who have been so accomplished in their industry, and we, and we can tell, of course, um, the, the passion you have, but I think also the connection comes through as well. There's one thing you mentioned from an educator, and I knew I wanted to ask you about this, because you were told, uh, Cody, and you shared in the book, be so good that your gifts cannot be denied. What has that been like for you to walk in that, to embrace those words and to walk in that? You know, I've always been told that you had to earn your place in the room. So as a journalist and now as an executive at a uh, major cancer institute, I know that I have to bring my full self to the job every day. Um, But that's important, I think, no matter who you are or where you come from. I think all of us have a story. All of us is broken in some way. But for me, I believe you bring that brokenness with you too. You bring that learned experience with you to every, every opportunity. I was taught that from an early age, especially by early grade school teachers. I was shown that by my mother and aunt, is that you brought your full self to everything that you did. And it didn't matter if you wound up rich or, or even highly educated or, or known the world over. What was important is that you were true to yourself. Authenticity, we believe, wins the day. Gildy, when you think about the things you've been able to go through and you chronicle some of them in, in the book, do you still have those wild moments when you kind of reflect on 
what you were experiencing and the situation you were in versus where you are now? You know, ever so often, I will dip back into the book and flip open a chapter and spend some time with it, almost meditating over it. It is difficult even for me to look back and see that world that we lived in and believe that I or the people around me survived it. But what I know is this. There are thousands of people, millions of people, who are living those lives every day, doing what they can to survive, cope, and make it. And so sometimes when I'm looking back on those years, um, it does break my heart again. But it doesn't break my heart for me. It breaks my heart for every other little Goldie that there exists today, that there are children living on the margins who don't have the appropriate supports needed, who don't have access to mental health care, who don't have access even to primary care physicians. And so that's important to me now as I look back is that I want to look to today. I want to look forward. I want to figure out how we can solve this for other children. It's interesting hearing you say that, Goldie, because two things stood out to me uh, from the book when you were just talking because, uh, you know, you mentioned, of course, the things that people don't have, and you didn't have access to a lot of those things as you were going through it, but you did have things like individuals who had faith. You did have individuals, you know, who were able to pour into you and see the value of words. I want to talk about the words aspect for a moment because even I mentioned the teacher that you quoted in, in the book, you know, talking to you about being excellent in all you do. That same teacher, it seems like from the book, also introduced you to the words of Invictus. Talk to us about that poem and what that was like for you to read those words and to find yourself in them and to be inspired by them. You know, back in that day, I thought it was normal to receive something like Invictus out of the night that covers me as black as the tit from pole to pole. Looking back now, and I happened to be with Peggy Lewis LeCompte, my eighth grade teacher, this last Wednesday night in St. Louis. She was my conversation partner. And I asked her, what would have you give a poem like that from a British writer, no less, to eighth and ninth grade black school children in East St. Louis in 1982 and 1983? Because she said, because I knew that they could embrace it. I knew that it would meet them where they were. And she was right about that. She gave us that poem. She gave us all a week to memorize it and others just like it. And I can remember every line of it to this very day. We embraced it because we were the captains of our own ship. We were the masters of our own souls. Those are the kinds of things that we as school children, living the way that we lived, gunfire outside, crack cocaine was hitting the United States, burning our city down, you know, uh, to its hoofs. Um, it was one of those things that we needed. We needed the sense of hope that Invictus gave us, but we needed the sense of personal power that it gave to us. And so I wondered why she would give it to us. Even then, and she said, because Goldie, we wanted excellence without excuse, that we knew that the world outside was tough, but that you inside this classroom needed to be tougher. Yeah. Well, I think that is the thing. And I think, too, there are so many people, though, Goldie, and you share this in the love you save, unfortunately, who feel trapped 
by their circumstances, and they feel trapped by where they are and don't see a way out. You, you chronicle in the book, and I want to say for our audience that's just tuning in on the radio side here in Mississippi, I'm speaking with Goldie Taylor today. She's not only an acclaimed journalist, but also the author of the new best-selling book, The Love You Save. We're going to remind you how you're going to stay connected with Goldie. But we're talking with her about the experiences that she shares in the book, but also the impact it's had on her and now the lives of others. You, you mentioned uh, your aunt, uh, Gerald, in the book, uh, Goldie, and, and what she said to you, even about you know, thinking outside of where you are. And I think about growing up here in Mississippi, I didn't see anyone who did broadcasting. I, wasn't, I didn't know anyone who looked like me who wanted, you know, who was doing what I wanted to do. And you, you chronicle what your, your auntie says to you, and that was, only people that stay here are people who ain't got no way to leave. Even though you saw the things that you saw and you were given, you know, things like Invictus to be able to keep you inspired, what was it, Goldie, that let you know that that didn't have to define you? Because so many people are defined by the things that they are born into or that happened to them. What is it that made you believe that you didn't have to be confined to those things? You know, I saw as a young girl, there was a woman on the local news. She was an anchor back in the day. Her name was Robin Smith. And I figured that Robin Smith looked like me. She actually looked like my mother. And that she was someone that um, was doing something that I wanted to do. She was a journalist. Um, and so that was one of the inspirations that I had. But what I would say is, and people hear platitudes, excellence without excuse, all the kinds of things that we think that we ought to be able to live beyond our circumstances. But the love you say is about our responsibility to people who are living in the margin, to people who are trapped. Our responsibility is to untrack them. And so I deal a lot with affordable housing, with food instability, with bifurcation of education in the public schools, with poverty and violence, and that I see, I see poverty itself as an act of violence. And so what I wanted people to see in this story, for me, is that poverty is not a moral question. It is a question of avenues. And are we opening up vistas for children, or are we cutting off those avenues? And so the responsibility is yes individual living in the circumstance. But it's also in us in the broader society that we're opening up pathways and opportunities that people can reach. And Goda, you did not allow where you are as well keep you from learning about things outside of where you are. And that leads us to what I think is the biggest part of this book for myself, and that is the power of words and example. You mentioned, of course, the you know being able to see someone that looks like you and being able to think about what they were able to do. Talk to us about that, what words like Baldwin uh, Dartha King, even Toni Morrison, which you share in the book, an interesting uh, quote I, I'd never heard before about what she said about love. How did that help you, being able to read things like that and to see yourself in it, but also to be inspired by that? You know, I think it was important to me, you know, as a growing person. I saw Mark Twain. I saw uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson. I saw Walt Whitman. I saw Ernest Hemingway. You know, those were the kinds of books that we had before us. But I also had teachers who gave me Baldwin, who gave me Giovanni, who gave me Morrison, who gave me the words of Dr. King, and had an uncle who brought home the autobiography of Malcolm X. Wasn't mm. sure that it was something that I could attach to, but I could attach and see the struggle in those words. And so it was important, as I think it's important today, as we talk about banning books around the country and uh, books that we don't think are right for children. 
What's right for children is that they see a diversity of perspectives, that they do see themselves in the building of this country, if we want them to take full franchise in it, if we want them to fight for them and love it the way that we all do, that we must show them um, the contributions of a varied people. And so I was given that very early on, and I wrapped my arms around it, I think, uh, fully in a way that made me want to write, made me want to be a public speaker, made me want to be a journalist, um, made me want to be like the people that I was being exposed to. And so I'm thankful for James Baldwin for helping me make the world make sense. I'm thankful uh, to people like Dr. Maya Angelou who made me want to see well, made me see my own self-value, that I did have something to contribute and that I wasn't simply living for day to day, but I was living toward a broader future. And so those writings were indeed important to me and I think informed the woman that I've become today. Cody, in talking about the title of the book, The Love You Saved, I mentioned that quote from Toni Morrison uh, that you shared in the book, and it reminded me of something that I, I saw T.D. Jake share with Oprah about people being able to love from where they are. And the the quote for our audience uh, that uh, Gody shares in the book from Toni Morrison is, the love is never any better than the lover. Wicked people love wickedly, violent people love violently. Weak people love weakly. Stupid people love stupidly. Talk to us about that and how it helped you. When I got to that place in the book, Odie, I thought about, I think, the empathy that we need to give sometimes to people not knowing where they're coming from and how for them what they're doing may be in some instances all that they have to give or all that they know to give. How did that quote, how did it impact you? I think the all that they know to give is key for me. What I've learned over time is that, and as I said earlier, people have their own traumas. We all come from someplace. We've all got really our own stories. But people living in trauma, well, they love with that trauma. Um, I don't believe that they are necessarily, that they were necessarily evil people in my life. But what I believe is that those people gave me every single thing that they had to give. And so, you know, I look back on my mother and father's relationship as tumultuous as it was. Um, and dangerous for her, quite frankly, that she still believes that my father was the love of her life. And I think that's really where the quote came from. Stupid people love stupidly. Wicked people love wickedly. You know, and so weak people love weakly. My father wasn't particularly a strong person. He was a mean person, but that didn't mean he was strong. And I think that his love for my mother was as weak, really, as he was. So I think quotes like that speak to me in a way that tell me, meet people where they are, you know, and, and I think that's really what, what love is, meeting them where they are at their point of need. Goldie, there, there are so many things that I think, uh, well, for individuals like myself who, again, may have seen you on television uh, but had no idea of uh, of the journey and the life that has led you to where you are now, that I think one thing that is not, I would say, emphatically discussed in the book, but definitely is implied, so I want to ask you about, and that is forgiveness. You mentioned that you just said that you don't think there's anyone necessarily wicked in your life, but you did have some pretty traumatic and evil things happen to you and around you. How did your idea of forgiveness, how did that evolve and grow? I was once told that anger is a poison that only you drink yourself, that if I didn't release it, 
then, quite frankly, it would eat me up inside, that it would really define the rest of my life if I didn't know how to forgive and to forgive myself, um, you know, even as a growing person. So those things were important to me. Grace was important. I wanted the people in my book to have the same level of context that I had for myself. And so with my Aunt Gerald, I talk about her struggles. I wanted to talk about where my mother had come from and her mother before her. I wanted to talk about generational trauma in a way that spoke to the environment in which they came to grow, the experiences that they had, and how those things were passed down. I hope that through this book, I'm able to help our family break that cycle. You know, as I published last January 31st and went to St. Louis, spent time with family sharing the story. It was not more than 24 hours later that I learned that an older cousin had also been um, repeatedly attacked as a young girl, and that it happened to have happened, to have happened at the hands of an even older cousin of ours. Now I know why she's angry. Now I know why she did the things that she did to me in this book, because she too was lashing out. And so it was easy. Uh, to wrap my arms around my cousin and say, you know, girl, I love you, even though uh, she terrorized me really as a child because she was dealing with the very same trauma that I was dealing with. What is it like for you, and I think this will help our audience to go to here, and again, I appreciate your time and your your honesty in this book and in this conversation, but what has it been like for you now to look at yourself in the mirror and to be able to say not only – that you love the person that you see looking back at you, but also you're proud of the person that you've become. You know, I look at my now three grown children who are all in their 30s and my um, young grandchildren, there are three of them. I look at the lives that I've been able to give them. I look at the lives that I've been able to give to myself. I feel the peace when I wake in the morning when I slumber uh, at night that there is a newfound joy. Maybe it's come over the last five to ten years of my life. I'm now heading towards 55. But there's a newfound joy that comes with almost a relief. Almost a relief that I've been able to work my way through these things. Not simply cast them through the side, but really do the work and work your way through them. And so I feel good about me, not necessarily because I survived those circumstances, but because I thrived. Well, I tell you, I know I said in my review on Amazon, Goldie, I know people will not only be inspired by this, but I think empowered by this. And I think that is such a great gift that you're able to give to others. Again, everyone, Goldie Taylor has been our guest. The Love You Save is the title of her book. It's out now. You can get it through our friends at Amazon.com or through your favorite local bookstore. If they don't have it, I know they'd be more than happy to order it for you. Goldie, really appreciate this opportunity to chat with you. How can our audience stay connected with you? You know, you can always find me on Twitter at Goldie Taylor, uh, also on Instagram at Goldie Taylor, but also online at GoldieTaylor.com. There is a form there where you can request that I come in for a book signing or even connect with me directly. And so I'm always available, um, and I try to always make myself available to survivors. All right. Well, Goldie, again, congratulations to you again. Really appreciate this, and looking forward to our next chat together. Thank you so much for having me, Cyrus. 
Hey, glad to do it. And we thank your audience for tuning in to another great segment of Conversations Live. Until next time, I'm your host, Cyrus Webster. As always, enjoy your day, enjoy your life, enjoy your world. Thank you all for choosing Conversations Live. Then it's going to make today amazing. Take care. <music>